Hey, everybody, and welcome to A Tatter of Fact here at the Girls, Inc. studio in Las Vegas. I am here with Olivia and Willow. You know what I noticed, you guys, is last week when I said, I'm here alone. <laughs> Do you know, I went home and I thought about that. Yeah, because, you know, I go home and I replay shit in my head. Like, I review the whole day many times, like, in my head. That's, like, the manic thinker in me. Like, um, and I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like, the way I introduced, like, that last week's podcast was, like, hey, everybody, this is Taryn, girls, things are, like, I always do them. I'm like, yeah, it's just me alone. I'm here by myself. <laughs> and, like, and that's not true. That wasn't true. I was here with Olivia and Willow. So, yeah, my apologies for, you know. I know it kind of hurt my feelings. I was like, okay, I guess you're by yourself. <laughs> we don't exist, Willow. <laughs> well, well, you sit over there like in the darkness, especially Willow. She's over like in the dark corner. I can't see her, and like, yeah, you hide, and you're 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 like in the captain's chair, Olivia. I try I try not to look at you. <laughs> Not for any other reason except when I look at you, like I don't like I don't like the particular side view of me <laughs> that showcases when I look at you because you sit off to my left, and that's not my best side. So my my right side showcases when I look to the left, and that's not my best side. <laughs> <laughs> my left side's my best side. Uh, yeah, so that's why when we move, because we are moving podcast rooms. Um, oh, probably in another month or so. So we're going to situate it where you are off to my right. We already talked about that. So I didn't know it was because of your side. <laughs> yeah, it's because of my side. It's because of, yeah, yeah, you got to get the angle right. And I think it's the way my hair pots, you know, because my hair pots on the left side. I don't know. It's just this whole thing. You know, my left arm's all sleeved out. I don't know. It's like my left side. I like my left side. I don't know why, but I do. So, and my left, my left, my left nostrils pierce. My left side of my nose is pierced. It's my whole left side. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the side we're going to showcase from now on when we get into the new studio. But anyway, all right. So here we are. So today, well, let's, it's, it's, it's a good day in Vegas because it's not windy, right? So anybody that knows anything about Vegas weather, we're either hot or we're windy. And we've been windy, man, like the last, well, I don't know. It just seems like we've been windy for like forever. And I don't like the wind. I, I, it's, it's, the wor- it's the worst for me. I hate the wind. I'd rather have it hot. I'd rather deal with 110 days um day after day after day then deal with like one day of bad wind how do you are you what do you, what you how do you feel olivia <laughs> you'd rather, rather have wind or rather have heat i'd rather have wind you'd rather have the wind yeah. you hate the heat I, I hate the heat you hate the heat well i don't like the heat but i i dislike the wind like a whole lot more gives me headaches man all sinusy and just i don't know just messes with my whole everything but today's a good day. It is hot, though. going to hit 96 today. We're like 10 degrees above where we should be here in Vegas. But, hey, you know, wherever you go, I grew up in Maine. There you deal with, like, six months of winter, cold, snow, freezing, ice. So, you know. <laughs> you know. You know. 
All right. So today's podcast. So last week we talked about pigments, right? We talked about, um, like the, you know, testing pigments. Um, we talked all about like EU and, uh, a little bit about like the six part test and what reaches and ECA and some of the new, um, band, you know, colorants and ingredients that, that got added to the list and whatnot. We talked about carbon and because there's been some questions and concern and lots of chatter um, <clears throat> online about uh, carbon, the carbon load in in the organic uh, brow color. So, so last week I thought like was a great podcast, super educational, strictly PMU, a uh, lot of lot of information. So this week um, I wanted to stay with pigments. And I wanted to talk about um, organics again and wh- why, because I think there's some confusion on organics and the word organic. So I wanted to clar- clarify that up and talk about that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, modifiers, because I, I know there's some confusion with modifiers. So this, so this is all like color theory stuff. So everything that like I'm talking about today, they're really, this is stuff that I've been talking about for, you know, in teaching, you know, for the last, you know, 10, 12 years, this is, these are all little snippets out of, um, my color theory course, my online color theory course. And, uh, yeah. And so what, how I get my topics for these podcasts is we go online, we go into the Facebook groups and we just see what people are, are talking about and some of the questions that are coming up you know, that particular week. And, and so this, so I saw, I saw something on organics. There was some confusion on organics and there was a lot of stuff on modifiers, uh, the past couple weeks. So let's, let's get in and start talking about some of that stuff. Um, so I think the confusion, and you even said this, Olivia, because when we first hired you here at Girls Inc., <laughs> I like, I told, I think we tortured you. Like I made you sit down, like you came from a clothing boutique, right? Yeah. From yeah. retail. For retail. Right. You were like, like fresh out of college or is that how you put yourself through college? That's how I put myself through college. Okay. And, and not to brag or anything, but you know, you were like, Am I, am I saying it correct if I say Phi Beta Kappa? Yeah, Phi Theta Kappa. <laughs> Which means you're really fucking smart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Willow is really fucking smart too. So I don't know how I ended up with like two really smart like geeks who are also like super fucking cool because you're kind of nerdy geeks, right? Computer geeks, techie geeks, right? Yeah. Right? That's not yeah. offensive. Mike. No. Okay. Because you are. <laughs> Uh, but like you're super cool too. Oh, thank you. I didn't think I was cool. <laughs> well, you're well. Well, there's levels of cool, Olivia. So I mean, there's you're, you're, there's levels of cool. So you know, all right. So come down a little bit there, but you know, but you're but you're cool in my book. You're cool. Uh, all right. So I made you sit down and I made you watch. I don't know. What was it? Ten hours of color theory. Yeah, ten hours. <laughs> so mean. I think. Back, I think back. Did we make you do that? That Willow. I got through an hour and a half, and then you guys just gave me different projects. <laughs> okay. I know. That was so mean. But anyway, um, 
And and that was one of the things that confused you too, uh, Olivia. But it confuses, I think, a lot of people in PMU is the word organic, right? So we have two different types of pigment in both body tattooing and PMU, and uh, either iron oxides or in, in inorganics and organics. And when it comes to our pigments, the term organic has absolutely nothing to do with uh, being healthy in nature or uh, coming from uh, like a natural source or a natural origin, like food, right? So when when we talk like organic food, then of course it's grown in soil with no pesticides. There's no, you know, anything like that. It's grown with, everything's natural and organic. Um, no chemicals, no pesticides, no growth hormone, you know, nothing, nothing like that. And so when we talk about organics in PMU and we use the word organic, then a lot of people get confused and they think the actual pigment, that particular organic pigment is made from like fruits and vegetables you know like like that's where that's where they're being made from that's where they're being sourced from and that couldn't be further from the truth um and so what does organic really mean when it comes to pigments so natural or raw pigments right because there are some products being made from natural or raw pigments, like um, topical cosmetics, uh, some like textile, uh, like uh, fabrics, um, and uh, some drugs, you know, some medicines, um, and even some foods, believe it or not, some foods. I'll tell you what foods, like in a minute. So there are products being made from natural or raw pigments, and those natural or raw pigments do come from flowers, plants. They come from animal sources like sepia. Do you know what sepia is? Uh, No. So sepia, it's like a reddish uh, brown. It's it's like like a fish, like a cuttlefish. And it's, it, it's a like reddish brown color and it comes from um, the ink sac. And, and so that would be a natural or raw source for uh, pigment, the, the, um, the cuttlefish cu- coming from plants, flowers, things like that. There's actually a, a bug and I believe it is from Mexico and it's called the, uh, okay, I want to say this right, but cochini, cochineal? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. C-O-C-H-I-N-E-A-L. Cochineal. Cochineal. Something like that. And, th- and it's a bug. And they crush that up. And, and they get this dye called carmine. Carmine. And that particular dye is used for textiles, drugs, cosmetics, and even some foods and drinks. So those are all examples of natural, raw, organic sources used as colorants, right? But in no way, shape, or form is any pigment like we're using 
in either PMU or body tattooing made from any of those sources. There's no pigment that is contain, contains any dyes or colorants from fruits, vegetables, plants, fish, animal source, anything like insects, bugs, nothing, nothing, nothing. It just doesn't e- exist. It wouldn't pass testing. It wouldn't pass testing uh, over in the, in the EU, first and foremost. And the reason that pigments are not made from a natural source is because they're just too, they're they're loaded with contaminants. Uh, The the, uh, risk for allergic reaction and complications are just way, way, way too high. So pigments in PMU and body tattooing, whether it's an iron oxide, inorganic or an organic, they are synthetically reproduced in the lab. They just are. Uh, Synthetic reproduction under sterile conditions in the lab, that risk of allergic reaction is reduced significantly and the manufacturers can like efficiently um, remove and clean out like all the contaminants. And you just can't do that when you're talking uh, colorants and, and, and dyes from, from nature, from, from natural sources. So that, 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 that's that in a nutshell. Um, organics and iron oxides both are, they're synthetic. They're synthetically reproduced in a lab. So why do they call them organics then, right? So that's the big question. Okay, well, if they're not, you know, if they don't come from nature or like a natural source, then why do, do they call them organic? And it's because organic pigments contain carbon and carbon exists in all living matter. And in chemistry, carbon is considered an organic matter. So because organic pigments contain carbon and carbon is an organic matter, chemists call that range of pigments organic pigments because organic pigments contain carbon. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That makes sense now? Mm -hmm. I remember um, going to a, um, it was like an aesthetic uh, beauty show, like a big, 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 huge uh, show with all kinds of PMU people. It's like massive. It's here in Vegas. And I was, this is, not that long ago, less than 10 years ago. This is maybe seven or eight years ago. And I was at this show with uh, some PMU colleagues, some friends, and there was a booth there. And they were claiming that, um, well, they were claiming that, that their pig, they were selling pigments and their pigments were organic, which is fine because there are organic pigments, but uh, when you continued on to read and it, and it's, and it, it was explaining why their pigments were a healthier choice because they were made from plants and vegetables. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. And I, of course I wanted to go say something, but uh-huh. I didn't, but I was with a colleague that did, I mean, couldn't, couldn't help themselves and went to, went up to the booth and, um, educating that it wasn't correct. Um, there are no pigments made from plants and, <laughs> and vegetables. <clears throat> and the gal on the other side of the booth, um, she, she didn't like that. 
<laughs> she didn't like that at all. She wasn't very friendly. And, um, and she argued. And she argued about it. And then, and then my friend, who knows her stuff in, in pigments and color theory, um, she didn't get argumentative, but, I mean, she, she kept up. And she, she did keep debating and, and was, was trying to educate her that, you know, th this information is not correct. You're giving out incorrect information about your pigments and then you know the lady got really upset she goes well i should know my own pigments and how they're made and blah 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 and i'm like let's you know, just okay walk on you know sometimes you know you just got to walk on because someone's they're just not going to listen but it, you know my my advice would, would be if you ever you know there, there would be three reasons someone would uh you know think that would would be saying that their 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 organic pigments are made out of plants and vegetables and and that would be number one they really do believe that i mean they they think that um they, i mean they really believe it because it says organic they just happen to believe that their pigments and who's ever making them um is uh making them from plants and, and vegetables uh, so if that's the case, run, right? <laughs> run. If someone really thinks that. Or two, they know damn well that organic pigments are not made from anything in nature. They know, they know damn well they're not, but they use that in marketing, right? They know they're mm -hmm. going to get some, some, some people that don't know any better and that's going to attract uh, maybe a, a certain customer that eats organic or finds out appealing and, and is going to buy into that. So, you know, if that's the case, run, right? <laughs> yeah. Run. Or if um, they're making their own pigments because, you know, that has happened in our industry where there's been people that have made pigments in their house you know, if their pigments really are <laughs> made from, you know, vegetables and plants and, um, you know, uh, fish, <laughs> run. <laughs> I didn't know people did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if <clears throat> um, a, a lot of that or any of that is going on nowadays. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we're really evolved now as, as an industry. But, I mean, Olivia, you're talking in the 80s and 90s. Yes, that was going on. That was going on. And um, there, there were some people making pigments in their home and bottling them themselves. So, you know, in that case, I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, what was going in into the pigments? But... Um, you know, for anybody listening to this today and you've been, you know, wondering if, um, you know, or confused by the whole, the name organic, uh, you know, it's just important to, to know that th there are, there are none, if there are any pigments made, really made out of fruits and vegetables or anything that comes from nature, you know, an animal source, anything like that. If there happens to be a pigment that exists in today's industry, I, you know, don't use it. I mean, you're 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 
you mean, you know, that is just asking for, for trouble. There's, there's a reason, you know, that, uh, they're not manufactured that way today and they haven't been, you know, for, you know, a very, 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 very long time. They've been synthetically reproduced. I mean, for, I, I don't, I wouldn't even dare to say how long, but uh, I mean, a long, long, long time. I would say 50 years, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, I know LI has been making pigments. They're coming up on the 30th anniversary. And, you know, long before Darlene's story came in, you know, they were, pigments were synthetically, you know, reproduced. So you're talking a long, long time pigments have been synthetically uh, reproduced. So, so again, you know, when we're talking, you know, organic pigments, it's not organic like we think of like uh, our food or, you know, other products we use around, you know, our home, you know, in our personal life. Um, it's just not. All pigments, whether organic or iron oxide, they are synthetically reproduced in the lab. And that is a really, really, really good thing because manufacturers, um, like, like I said, they're, 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 they're cleaned, you know, uh, they're, they're cleaned, they're, they're purified from any contaminants. And, and again, it brings that risk of, um, or exposure to allergic reaction. It brings it down. I mean, so significantly low, I believe it's about, you know, one to 2% of the world's population will like have an allergic, you know, reaction. It's, it's really low when you're talking to good pigment manufacturer. There, there certainly are, are some cases of it, but um, it's, it's significantly low and pretty darn rare to have an allergic reaction to um, a manufactured pigment. So I hope that um, clears up a lot of things, you know, when, when we're talking or, organics. Um, and of course, carbon. Carbon is, you know, we talked all about carbon last week. That's an organic um, and, uh, yeah. So if you missed last week's, uh, podcast, you should, you should check it out. Cause that's pretty, that's pretty interesting, uh, too on color theory. So yeah, there you have it. Um, organics. I, I, you know, I try to eat organic. I know you don't, Willow. We talked about this last week. Uh, you try. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think once you start eating organic, like it's really hard to go, obviously I can't eat hundred percent organic. Like that's like impossible, but like in my house, like all my groceries, like we all organic yogurt, like this is a good example. We all organic yogurt and I have been for years and years and years and years. And, um, you know, a few years back, my, 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 uh, my grandmother passed away and I went to North Carolina with my mom, jumped on a plane really, really super quick. And stayed in a hotel and I didn't have access to, you know, like my type of food, my type of breakfast, like I, I keep in my home and went downstairs and they had like Yoplait yogurt and uh, Yoplait yogurt. That's pretty common yogurt, right? And I used to eat it back in the day before I went to all organic eating or as much organic as I can. And I liked Yoplait and Dannon, you know, those are the yogurts. But I, I had been years where I've been eating organic yogurt. And so grab me a Yoplait and started eating it. And immediately I could taste like it, chemical. It was really crazy. It was, I couldn't eat it. 
So that happens to you. Same thing like when you draw, stop drinking soda. Like yeah, I used yeah. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you used to drink soda? Oh, no, I still drink soda. You still drink soda? No, <laughs> I, I, I. And she was telling me that she kind of adapted to it. Yeah, I stopped drinking soda. I was like a, you know, like a Diet Coke girl. And I haven't drank soda in like 20 years, but I, I did. And it was really super hard to quit and quit. And um, in a few years few just a few years ago it was really super hot here and i was craving something carbonated i hadn't had a diet coke in like i don't know 12 13 years i pulled into an a.m p.m and got one right out of the ice and clicked it open and took a big chug and chemical <laughs> it just wasn't how i remembered it so it it, it, t- it does taste different there's like eggs like my friend dong you know, has chickens so when you eat a chicken from a real egg, like it's warm, like it just plopped out of the chicken and you go bring it in the house and you make an egg. Even that tastes different than an organic egg like you would get at like Whole Foods. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Because that's like really organic. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. So anyway, I know it. All right. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about modifiers for, for a little bit. Modifiers modifiers, you know, that's what LI calls them. We've had them in the LI line, you know, and I think since like LI like was born, like, you know, almost 30 years ago. Um, some people call them correctors. Some people call them neutralizers. Um, I've seen them called a few th- toners. I just saw the word toner not too long ago. So lots of different terms um, to call them. LI calls them modifiers and typically the three basic colors of modifiers or correctors, whatever you want to call them are yellow, green, and orange. Those are the three basic colors. You do have to be careful. I know some lines, they put a lot of titanium into their modifiers and you got to be super careful with that. Um, LI you know, uh, we do not add titanium into our modifiers if at all, um, possible. Our green is actually like a chromium green. It's a one colorant green. I, and and it's, and it's fantastic. Um, so yellow, green, orange and modifiers, you know, I always, always used them, you know, when needed, um, and they are needed. They are needed in, in our work. I always believed in them. I always understood why they were created, why they were in the LI line and why there was a need for them. And, in, and I, and I went through some hardships with modifiers, like using straight orange, you know, too much, you know, when I first started doing PMU, adding straight orange to a blonde color, using straight orange on, you know, like a fits one or fits two, um, and having that orange come back to, to haunt me and, uh, and whatnot, you know, it, you know, it takes a minute to really understand modifiers, when to use them, when you don't, when not to use them, how much to use, you know, and things like that. And then we watched the whole industry a few years ago when microblading like exploded on the scene, we watched I mean, just a huge, I mean, tons, hundreds and thousands of artists abuse modifiers. You know, they were being taught to add orange in everything, every brow color you choose for every single client. 
I mean, that's what they were being taught to do um, in their uh, initial training. And of course, that's that's not how we use modifiers. I mean, that's really, really, um, I, I, I remember calling it like abusing orange, abusing modifiers. And, and that's how I saw it. You know, we were, they, they were just way overusing them. And then of course everybody's, you know, their, their brows are all healing orange or in six months or a year. I mean, they're turning orange because, because they, they, they added way more orange than the skin required. But anyway, and then, you know, and then every time, you know, new pigments, you know, enter the industry, um, they try to find their own little niche and their own, um, you know, like every company does with, you know, all our products, you know, you try to find, you try to be a little bit different and, and, uh, and unique and, and whatnot. And, and there were some, you know, pigment lines that really didn't believe in modifiers. You know, they didn't think the modifier was needed. That was, you know, the philosophy of, of some people. Um, we don't need modifiers. You know, modifiers are just, you know, a waste of money. I, I can remember, um, you know, and then people buying into this philosophy, right? Um, and then I, I can remember L.I. taking a little bit of a beating over that. I can remember, um, you know, people jumping on that, on that train and, um, you know, not being so kind to L.I. and uh, making statements that, you know, people like, you know, companies like L.I. or other companies that make modifiers and sell modifiers just a you know, another way to make extra money and this, that, and the, I mean, there was just some things being like thrown around, you know, back then. And to be quite honest with you, it really pissed me off. Um, but because it was just all mis misinformation, it really, really was. And, um, and, and I, and I knew the real purpose of modifiers. I, I knew they were needed. You know, one of the philosophies of, you know, was, well, if you make the pigment strong enough, it will just cover up the undertone. It will just cover up, you know, shitty work. Uh, it will just cover up, you know, a fugitive color. Um, and you know, and that, that didn't work out very well and not having modifiers within a brand of pigments that, that didn't last that long. You know, we, we saw these companies start to add modifiers, you know, and, um, and now modifiers, no, so here we are full circle, right? Here we are seven or eight year, eight years later, and we come full circle. Um, and this happens all the time in the industry with lots of different things, lots of different products, lots of different topics. You're talking techniques, even, you know, I've seen, I've been in this industry long enough where I, I have seen things come full circle. So there was a period of time you know, where everybody, you know, uh, understood modifiers and, um, and were using them responsibly, understood the need for them. And then modifiers were being abused. Super, especially that orange, right? Because, you know, microblading heals a little bit cooler, can heal a lot cooler than a shade of brow. And so all these, you know, training classes, these trainers were telling their students, you know, put orange in everything that will keep the gray away. And then, so, you know, you saw an abuse of orange and then you saw all these orange eyebrows popping up. And of course, even within the LA pigment line for Pete's sake, I mean, it was just happening like crazy. Um, 
And then, you know, some pigment lines got blamed. And then, and so that, so when all that was going on, um, I think people got afraid of modifiers. And I think some uh, pigment lines, you know, tried to get away from modifiers, no modifiers in our line, modifiers aren't needed, you know, this, that, and the other. And then now here we are full circle again. You know, people understand we do need modifiers. They serve a really important purpose in our work on a couple of different fronts. And, but they do need to be understood and they do need to be respected and they do need to be used, um, responsibly. So modifiers, uh, they are, the purpose is to like neutralize or correct a fugitive color. Uh, a fugitive color is, we use the word fugitive when a color has aged off base, meaning a, a brown has turned red. So that red is considered a fugitive color. Okay. So, uh, we're, we're talking red, pink, orange, blue, green, purple, right? All the, those are all fugitive colors that we do not want to see as our brow starts to age. So if you, your brow does start to age that, uh, oftentimes it's not even our own work, right? We're fixing other people's work. So you can have clients that come to you from other technicians, you know, with a pink brow, with a purple brow, with a gray brow, blue brow. Um, and modifiers are needed and really efficient in neutralizing that fugitive color and turning it back to brown or heading it back to brown. Uh, if we're not going to remove, remove it. There certainly are some instances where it's just too saturated and you don't want to color correct it. You're not, you know, color correcting it is not going to be the best way to approach it. Actually get in there and doing some lightning, uh, saline sessions are going to be the best way to approach it. But if it's not that saturated and, uh, it can be, turned back to a pretty color by using modifiers. If we can color correct it, then I do. I mean, I certainly do. And, uh, and you want to, right? You only want to have to remove or lighten if we have to, if they, if they're outside of the realm of color correcting. So that's one reason to neutralize and correct fugitive colors. The other reason is, is we use it kind of as a seasoner to add to our target colors, uh, to kind of tweak or customize that, that target color to be a little warmer or, you know, whatnot, or a little bit, uh, more golden, uh, for that particular client and that particular skin type. So, so let's say, you know, you got a client come in and, and she looks a little cool and, you know, you, you, you're afraid she's going to ash out your pigment a little bit. Well, then that's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good reason to add a little bit, a little bit of warmth, a, maybe a warm modifier. Uh, if you see purple in the skin, you got a client come in and they got a strong purple undertone, whatever target color you're using, I always add a little bit of yellow because right, yellow neutralizes and cancels out uh, purple. So th those for, for that reason, you know, modifiers are, are fantastic. I mean, I probably add warmth to maybe, um, 
maybe 30, 40% of my brow clients. And, and that's it. That's about it. Um, today I, I did a brow and I added warmth, but I did not actually use a modifier to add that warmth. I used a target color. We got a color in the LI line called beautiful blonde. And that's a standalone warm, opaque blonde. You can, it's, it's a target color. So straight out of the bottle, you can tattoo it on a client and it heals this beautiful, warm, opaque blonde and it ages beautiful. And sometimes, you know, we don't actually have to warm up a color with a modifier. We don't have to go as strong, uh, as a modifier. Sometimes we can just use a warm blonde, a target color, and that's going to be uh, enough warmth. That's going to be all the warmth that you need. Because keep in mind, I'm, I'm going to speak uh, about LI only. I, I don't know about other pigment lines, but in the LI pigment line, our modifiers are strong. They're strong. They are, you know, they're meant to be strong because they're neutralizers. They're meant to go in and neutralize and start turning that red brow back to brown or that blue brow back to brown. So they're strong. Um, and the most you ever want to add of a warm modifier to a target color is 5%. No more than like 5%, you know, 5%. I mean, that's, and that, and that's, oh, that's the most really, because that's how strong they are. So, so you you got to keep that in mind, especially if you use the LI line that, that our modifiers, they're, they're stronger and they're more concentrated, you know, than our target colors, uh, because of, you know, the way we use them, they, they need to be. Uh, and sometimes we can, we can pick target colors that have, you know, warmth right in them or yellow right in the base to where you don't have to manually add yellow or manually add warmth. And that's, that's where color theory uh, comes in. I, I think that's why color theory is so important for everybody to learn. It's, um, and you should want to learn it. I, sometimes I get really disappointed, um, because I'll, I'll, I just see so many basic questions on color theory. Um, I see people that they just, they don't want to study it. They don't want to learn it. And, and, and my thoughts on, you know, the way I feel about it is, is I loved PMU like so fucking much. It just, it, it fascinated me. And, and I knew this is what I was going to do the rest of my life. And I fell in love with it really, 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 really quickly and, and deeply in love with it. And, and because of my love for PMU, no one had to like beg me or tell me, you need to learn this or you need to study this. It's like, I wanted to, I, 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 I couldn't learn enough. I wanted to learn, you know, the skin and the undertones and fully understand it. I wanted to learn pigments and, and modifiers. I wanted to learn needle. I wanted to learn machine. I wanted to learn every single aspect of PMU that, that affected my work, my healed result. And, and, and it was, it was, it was like, it was my pleasure, you know, to learn and read and study. It wasn't always fun, you know, because you don't always understand everything. 
you know, starting out. I think it probably took me five years to really wrap my brain around color theory and especially skin undertones and seeing the undertones in someone's face and and under and and really picking the right target color and being being calculated, being super you know calculated with my my pigment choices and my modifiers and when to, when not to, how much, you know, that, that takes time. So I understand there's, you know, a frustration sometimes, you know, uh, you know, cause anytime you suck at anything, right. You know, or you're not good, you don't understand there's, there's just frustration. You just want to be good. You know, you want to be good yesterday. You don't want to, you don't want to wait. You just want to be good. Um, and it doesn't happen like that, but but you just got to stay patient. You got to stay the course. And so I just, I just feel like if you love PMU, then, then you would, you would want to, you would want to learn color theory inside and out to where, I mean, you just fully, fully grasp it and understand it. Um, because the, the more you understand pigments, color theory, skin undertones, modifiers, everything that goes along with that, the more uh, predictable your healed results. I mean, you can almost predict your healed results with high accuracy, high, high accuracy. You know, that's where I am in my career. I mean, I see Amber Michonne and, you know, I mean, all, all these, you know, the, these great artists that are still young in their career getting to be to their six and seven year mark in the industry. And, and I see them, they, they, you know, they're just, they're getting to where they just got it. I mean, they don't even have to hardly think anymore, you know? And once you reach that level of, uh, knowledge and confidence and I mean, it just changes everything. It just, it just changes everything. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I, so, so I would like encourage you, I'd like to see more people, you know, really, you know, just dive in and study color theory. And, um, and I, and I get, there's lots of different opinions and, 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 uh, and misinformation, stuff like that. So you, sometimes you got to weed through all that crap. Right. But, um, I think I, look, my color theory class has been out there like eight years and it's, it's fundamental. It's, um, and it, it doesn't, it, the information doesn't really change cause it's just fundamental universal you know, information, not that it hasn't like changed s somewhat, you know, you know, because I'm always learning and figuring out new ways, you know, to, to teach and, uh, and whatnot, but, but the, the fundamentals of color theory and skin undertone and, and pigments, you know, 10 years ago are the same fundamentals, uh, today. We're just applying those fundamentals to new techniques, you know, whip shading, single needle, microblading, you know, things like that. But, but it's still fundamental knowledge. It's universal, no matter what pigment line you use. You know, skin undertones <laughs> is skin undertones, you know. Pigment theory is pigment theory. You know, the science of pigments is the science of pigments, no matter what brand uh, you're using. <clears throat> corrections is corrections, no matter what brand you're using. You know, so there's a lot of uh, information within the color theory arena that is universal, universal. Uh, across the board, no matter what pigment line you're, you're using. So yeah. So dive into color theory. So, <clears throat> um, I think, and I got, I, this is the question that kind of got me going. There was a question 
and uh, she she felt she should have she posted a picture and she felt she should have added a little bit of uh, ungray I mean um, gray vanish which is in the LA pigment line gray vanish isn't straight orange it's uh, a yellow orange right so we've got ungray, which is straight orange. And then we've got gray vanish, which is uh, yellow and orange. So it's not quite as warm as straight orange. And she posted a picture and uh, right after she did the brows. And she was kind of freaking out. And she felt, you know, oh my God, I now that I look at her, I think I should have added some gray vanish. And... You know, I looked at the picture, you know, I kind of blew it up and I looked at the skin and the client and whatnot. And, you know, my, my thoughts were, you know, I, I think you made the right choice. I think, I, I don't, I don't think you should have. And you definitely shouldn't leave, you know, lose sleep over, over this. Um, maybe the client was borderline, you know, she used classic brown, which is a medium dark. It's not super cool because it's not like super dark but so maybe it was like borderline she could have added a little bit of warmth but um but i don't think that's going to come back and bite her in the ass right you know the way i felt feel about it is if it's borderline like, like this particular client was and you don't add any warmth you just use a start a color like right out of the bottle well now that client gets to go heal that color straight out of the bottle without being modified, you know, that client will come back in six weeks and you really get to see what her skin does without the addition of any warmth or any, any modifiers. Um, that gives you a really organic and true assessment of her skin and how it pulls. And if it so happens, it did pull a little ashy, like that's nothing to like freak out about. At the follow-up, you can actually take the same color and now add some warmth or go a little bit lighter if you don't, you know, if you, if you don't want the brow to heal any deeper in tone, you know, maybe go down a little bit lighter um, and add a little bit of warmth you know, at the follow-up. And then when she heals the second time around, she should heal, you know, a beautiful tone. I think that is a much better approach than if it's borderline, you're not sure, and you add orange, and that skin did not need it. It didn't need any orange at all and there's no coolness in the skin to eat up that orange. You know, you can get, you can be left with an orange hangover, right? Either, either that brow is going to heal like too warm or as it ages, you're going to start to see that orange rear its ugly head because orange can come back and bite you in the ass, uh, big time. Right. And so, and, and then, and then you're, now you're talking correct, correcting. Now, now you have to correct your own work because you added way too much warmth. You added more warmth than the skin needed, could use or eat up or absorb if you And 
if that skin doesn't have enough coolness to absorb all the orange, where do you think that orange goes? You know, it, it gets left behind. It's, it, you're going to see it. You're definitely going to see it either in the healed result or as it ages. And, and that's a correction. But if your brow heals a little ashy, and I'm not talking battleship gray, right? Because that's a whole different story. But a little ashy, a little on the ashy side. You wish it was a little bit, a little bit more uh, to the neutral tone or not quite as ashy. To me, that's not a correction. To me, that is an adjustment. And it's much easier to make an adjustment um, and get the brow back on tone, if you will, than to have to now correct an orange or too warm eyebrow. Because to correct a too warm eyebrow, eyebrow is too warm, now you have to add in a whole different color. Now you gotta start adding green you know, to the fucking, <laughs> to the fucking formula. And so you have to start, you know, doing that. And so, yeah, so that, that's where I, I feel about that. Yeah. You, you just, you just have to be careful. So there's, there's, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of newbies, right? We're, we're uploading, you know, we got the girls Inc product and education board and we're uploading, um, 20, 30 people a day. And most of these artists that I'm uploading they've been doing PMU a year or less. So we've got a lot of newbies, you know, in the industry. And when you're that young in the industry, you know, your eye is not developed. You don't, you, you, I mean, I mean, I can remember going, what, what do you, what do you mean this purple in her skin? I don't see no fucking purple. You know, I mean, you just don't see it. You, you can't, your, your eye is not trained to see that. And developing your eye to see the undertone and learning and studying all the information, you know, that takes time. It can take years for some people. And uh, so while your eye is, is developing and, and you're learning these things, it's, it's better to add less warmth and have to add more to follow up than to add too much in the beginning. And now you're chasing that orange. Now you're trying to t tone down and fix that orange. That, you know, and, and some people don't agree with me. I mean, some people, you know, feel the opposite of me. And and that's okay. It's okay to, you know, dis disagree. Uh, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I don't like you. <laughs> right? Um, only if the whole world could get back to that right? Yeah. yeah, I know. A lot of people are disagreeing these days and they seem to hate each other. But, um, yeah, I can disagree with somebody and, and still, you know, really have a lot of respect and really like them. But, but, uh, I, I do have, I think it's better to add less warmth and have it heal, you know, a, a, a bit ashy and have to add more as you go. And baby steps, you know, you're learning that skin. Look, when you first sit down to tattoo a client, you don't know that skin. You've never tattooed it before. You don't, you don't know what it pulls, how it pulls. You just don't really know that skin. That very first session is your first introduction to that skin. And once you see your brows healed, you know, six, eight weeks later, and you see what, how it healed, well, you know, you make your notes. Now you're learning that skin. You're in the beginning learning stages of that particular 
uh, skin, that particular client's skin and what it does, what it does not do, and what you're going to have to manually add or not add uh, as you work on her throughout the year. So I think it's, I think it's good to be conservative with your mods, especially when we're talking orange. Um, when you're talking yellow, you know, yellow is just one of those colors that it doesn't come back to bite you in the ass like orange does. It just, it just doesn't. Um, it's almost like, you know, when you take vitamins and you go pee and your pee's like really, really yellow, <laughs> right? That's just your body peeing out like, you know, uh, what it didn't need. And it's kind of like that, you know, I kind of use that analogy for, for yellow. Um, you know, you, if you're, yellow's different than orange in the sense, if you're looking at skin and you're not sure if you should add yellow or not, I say add it because it does no harm to add it, even if the skin didn't need it, even if the skin, there was no purple, right? Cause sometimes people, you look at skin, you're like, man, I don't know. Is that a purple undertone or not? You know, I can't tell. I'm looking under the eyes. I'm looking here. Can't quite tell. But when in doubt, add yellow. Because like I said, if you add it, it's there. If you didn't need it. And if the skin did not need it, there's no harm, no foul with yellow. But orange is different, especially straight up orange. That is very, that's a whole nother beast. And it's very, very, it's just very different. And when you add orange and the skin didn't need it, that can come back to bite you and your brows can end up healing like shit and your client's upset. Now you got to get out a green modifier and you got to correct the orange. And if you overcorrect with green, now the brows can heal a little bit, you know, ashy again. I mean, it's this, it's, it's this whole, you know, dance, you know, with the orange. So, um, be careful with, with, with that orange, uh, be careful with, uh, even yellow orange, even gray vanish, even though it's not as strong as orange. I mean, it's strong. It's pretty strong. There's orange in there. So you gotta be careful. Caribbean mod. That's like a red, mm -hmm. you know, like a orange based red, you know, they're all strong and you gotta use them, uh, responsibly. But here we are now modifiers. People are back using them um, trying to figure them out, trying to learn them, when to use them, when not to use them, how much. Uh, so, you know, just be careful with them. You know, you can overuse them and, uh, end up having to, you know, correct your own work. So that is my ditty on modifiers. <laughs> <laughs> not that you, not that you care, Olivia. I do care. <laughs> Well, because you got to help me answer questions on them. Yeah. <laughs> on modifiers. <laughs> Is there anything you've noticed about modifiers in the last, any particular questions you've had on modifiers? Um, oh, do you like, do you have to add a modifier to an eyeliner color? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, 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 I never have. I just never have. I've only used modifiers, uh, Caribbean mod when I was correcting like a blue eyebrow, I've gotten a few, a handful of blue eyebrows from other techs come into the studio and to get that blue eyeliner, I mean, really blue, like, you mm -hmm. know, like not good looking blue. And 
I've gone over it with Caribbean Mod and and then you know layered black on top of that and that works really 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 good to correct a blue a blue eyebrow if the eyebrows like just gray like I typically don't use a modifier I'll just go over it with black right because all black fades down to gray grays you know if you water down black you get gray um so the gray doesn't bother me too much but those blues but no, uh, you know, a brand new fresh eyeliner, do I put a, a modifier into my black? I do not. I never have, but I do know some people do, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, some people like to put a, a drop of orange or a drop of um, Caribbean mod into their pigment of black eyeliner for insurance, and... There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I, I will say this. If you're a technician that's getting blue, like a blue eyeliner result a lot, like a lot of your eyeliners are healing blue, then there's there's an issue, right? There's an mm -hmm. issue. Uh, it's either your, your black pigment that you're using, because um, we talked about this last week with carbons. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of carbons uh, for pigment manufacturers to use. And some carbons are, you know, they're blue-based carbons. Some carbons are like an ash gray-based. And then you have carbons that are a true black black base. And so for LI, you know, we use that true black-based carbon. Um, so with LI blacks, you know, whether it's, you know, onyx, uh, the iron oxide black or, you know, the carbons in the LI line, I don't really get blue, blue results. Uh, once in a blue, blue moon, no pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get like, I'll get like, um, a client that it's blue. I mean, it's, it's black, but you can see this, maybe this tinge of blue, and, um, and I've seen that like a handful of times, uh, you know, the last, last 10 years, not that often. And typically that's going to be, they've got a strong blue lid, like lots of blue blood vessels. You know, if you look at their eyelids, they're, they're blue. Um, usually what I'll do is I'll do a, another coat of black. And if I can get better coverage, it's going to kind of cover, cover that, that up. Um, but no, I'm not, I, I just never really been into adding, you know, warm modifiers for my black eyeliners. But if you're, if you're getting a lot of blues, then it could be the black you're using. If you're using an LI black or a really good black and you're still getting a lot of blues, then it's something with your technique. It, it could be you're, you're going slightly too deep because imagine how thin that eyelid, eyelid skin is. It's super thin. Um, or, or, or you're overworking, you're overworking the skin. Um, it can be that. So, uh, you know, we really shouldn't be, if you're using a good black, a, a, a true black-based carbon or black-based iron oxide, uh, and you're, you're, you're not going too deep, you're not overworking, you should not be getting a lot of blue, you know, in your healed eyeliner work. You just, you just shouldn't. Um, and if you are, you know, just kind of take a look at your formula, what you're using and pay particular attention on, on how you're working. It could be the needle, could be, could be a few different things that you might need to change up or, or work on because 
you know, I mean, most of us have been doing eyeliners a long time. We just don't get blue. You don't get a lot of blue. Mm. So you do see it with people that are, you know, more struggling with eyeliners. Maybe they're trying to, you know, figure out their depth or they're overworking a little bit too much, you know, things like that. And there are some, you know, blue, blue based blacks out there, you know, in, in the industry. And, you know, that will definitely give you a blue or a black blue result, you know, if you're using a blue based uh, carbon. So, okay. So that's enough on, um, pigments, pigment overload. <laughs> yeah. I know, but this is all like really great stuff. Um, really great stuff, I think. And, um, so let's, uh, so let's like change gears. Let's, let's get a little, um, motivational. Okay. Yeah. You like that? <laughs> yeah. Cause I've had like a tough couple of weeks, maybe a tough couple of three weeks, like mentally and emotionally. Uh, I had a lot of shit going on in my family and, you know, just some stuff that made me sad and a little down and it pulled me away from work. And I think this is crazy. You guys, I bet. I think when I get pulled away from work and I'm not in the mix, um, I get, I get depressed. I feel, I start feeling disconnected and I get depressed and, and like shit starts, like shit starts going on in my head. And then I make things, you know, way bigger. Um, a lot of people like, what do you mean when I get pulled away from work? I'm, fucking happy <laughs> you know but i i don't get happy you know when i pulled when i get pulled away away from work for an extended period of time um i get a little freaked out and so um yeah so i was a little bit out of my element um i had to leave town for a little bit and like i said deal with some heavy stuff and just got out of my daily routine and i'm somebody that doesn't do well when i'm not in my routine like when I can't have my same breakfast every single morning because I have my same breakfast every single morning. Every single morning. <laughs> every, unless cat makes me eggs. You know, that's it. I have my same breakfast. You see me in the, my same yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> and I only want vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. But every now and then, I'll eat a blueberry. But, you know, on a special day, on a special occasion. So I'm, I'm very much a creature of habit. I like routine. And when I'm... Now, when I'm when I get out of that by choice, and I can kind of plan to compensate, I'm good, you know, because I like to travel and go to destinations and stuff like that. But I can plan, I can plan, I can bring my stuff, I can like go to a grocery, I can do stuff. But when I'm like yanked out because of things and and I can't plan and I can't keep my routine, it like really, it really messes with me. Like I don't do well, so. Are you that way? <laughs> Am I the only yeah. one? You are that way? Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So is that like a normal human thing or a lot of humans like that? I don't know. I think it depends. Are you like that, Willow? I, I am, yeah. I think that most humans are creatures of habit, but I think that the amount that you are can like fluctuate based on the person. And I think it also has a lot to do with like anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I talk about my anxiety. So and I have a lot of anxiety and, um, and I think, you know, my, I'm a Virgo too. I'm a perfectionist, got a little bit of OCD. I got all that. I got everything going against me, everything. And I look like an emo <laughs> on top of all that. I look like an emo, <laughs> which I had to learn what an emo was. <laughs> 
But, you know, the more you get exposed out there, more followers. And you think you want more followers, more followers, more followers on TikTok and Instagram. And then the more followers you get, I mean, the more mean comments you get. I mean... So I had to come in one day and I'm like, what is an email? Did I already talk about this on a podcast? No, you haven't. I yet. haven't? <laughs> no. Okay. So I'm like scrolling my TikTok. I'm so proud. I, I like, I do this motivational thing on my TikTok and, and I'm looking through the comments, which never do. When you post on TikTok, don't ever fucking look at it again. Don't reach comments because then I read my comments and I'm like, oh, dye your hair black, you'd be an emo. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, emo. I'm like, oh. You know, I'm like, an emo? I, mean, so, I thought it was like an animal. It sounded like an animal. I'm like, an emo? I'm like, I'm probably thinking emu. We're <laughs> <Right? laughs> like, what is an emo? And I, and I, you know, I go straight to Google, and it's like this character with like, you know, a hair parted on this, you know, this, this character person. And I'm like, okay, but I still don't really, okay, I, I get what an emo looks like, but I still don't really get what an emo is and if that's an insult or not. So I know you and Willow would know. So especially Willow, I knew that, I knew she would know. So I come in and I'm like, you guys, someone on TikTok just called me an emo today. What is an emo? You know, and so you guys explain to me, it's not necessary, it's not like a bad thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just a style. Yeah. It's a style. That's mm -hmm. what I learned. It's a style. It's like a gothic kind of style, yeah. right? Like yeah. their hair is part on the side and kind of longer. Like my hairstyle a little bit. It's typically black. They dress in black. It's like this gothic kind of style. Do we know where the emo originated? Like where the name emo come? And when did the first emo like show up? The word emo generates from uh, emotional. It was just a way to like call people emotional oh um, and then like the style i think followed after um it's kind of exactly like you said it's like a subgenre of goth yeah it's a subgenre of goth okay so emo it's short for emotional <laughs> which i am <laughs> okay so i'm an emo so so that was okay that was okay you know when i learned that it wasn't really a um an insult um and then i get called keith urban a lot which I don't take that as an insult at all, but I don't think I look like Keith Urban, but I think it's the hair again, right? It's, it's the hair again. So Keith Urban, that's fine. But three or four times in the first time now, this just happened on Instagram. It's been on TikTok. So I don't know about that TikTok, but you know, you just got a lot of trolls on there, but it, but it just happened on Instagram and, and I, I deleted it. I didn't block her, but I deleted it leader comment but it was just so it's like this whole thing now they don't know if i'm a boy or a girl and like like i've like i've never really had anybody like like ask me that or say that to me so after you hear it like three or four times it's like you know i'm asking you guys do i like is it hard to tell i mean i know i'm tomboy i know i like wearing ties i feel sexy in ties i just did a that's why I did that whole reel on like, well, I'm not wearing a dress, you know, because um, I'm trying to have fun with it. But it does, I guess because of where I am in life, I'm a little bit older. It doesn't like fuck with me too much or make me depressed. Doesn't make me, those comments don't make me depressed. They strike me. They, you know, you read them and, and you read them again and you're like, hmm, you know, and then you let it go. Um, but that's just because of where I am in life and my age, but it does make me think about 
like the young people, you know, these 13, 14, 18 year old, these young people who, um, attach their entire self-worth and self-esteem on how people see them and the comments they get and, and, and things like that. And I, I can see why, you know, these comments can be so damaging and so hurtful and so destructive to, you know, young people and maybe even people, you know, in my own age group that aren't as, uh, you know, mentally strong or, or, or comfortable in their own skin. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable in my own skin, you know, I've been gay, you know, my whole life and always been out and, um, yeah, you know, and I've always dressed like a Tom, I've just always been comfortable, you know, being me and I've never wanted to really be anybody but me, especially maybe the one time I got implants. <laughs> Well, because I was cocktailing on the Vegas Strip, you know, with all these pretty cocktail waitresses. That was the only reason I went and got, like, you know, boobies is because, <laughs> I, in, yeah, I wanted to fit in, you know. It was a long time ago. So, yeah, okay. So maybe that, maybe that was the only time in my life I wanted to, like, look like a pretty, like, femme girl because <laughs> I was cocktailing at T.I. on the Vegas Strip. But, um, but I've gotten them out, you know, since then. And yeah, so anyway, anyway. Okay. So let's get back to, I got a little off track there, but I did want to talk about that. Yeah. I don't know. So, but my hairdresser, I have asked her a couple of times if she'll take my hair really short because I like those faux hawks. Like, I think they look super good on like, like some people that really short hair and they faux hawk it and they gel it up. And I'm like, I, I just think it looks really super sexy like Halle Berry hair, uh -huh. you know, when it was short. Yeah, like hair like that. My hairdresser won't do it. <laughs> Why not? Because she says... <laughs> I mean, how long have you had the hairstyle you have right this now? This hairstyle? Yeah. T 20 years, easy. <laughs> easy, yeah, 20 years. I haven't changed it. And I get tempted to cut it all off and do a full hawk, especially when I go somewhere humid, right? Because then my hair, cause, you know, if you don't know, like I flatter in my hair. My hair is really kind of like wavy and it gets frizzy and humid, so... But no, my hairdresser, no, she, she just doesn't think I'll look good. She's just, she thinks I'm going to look too, ma <laughs> too masculine if I cut my hair short. She's, and she's so nice and I love her so much. She's just like, mm, you know, Taryn, some people, you know, they can wear that. <laughs> it looks really good. And some people, you know, they just, mm, you know, she just thinks I have a masculine face, you know, and I would just look too masculine. So I've always been afraid to cut my hair, but one of these days, it one of these, back. it does grow back. I know it grows back. So, and you can always wear a wig. I mean, if I hated it that much, I can wear a wig. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> let's get back. So I was, I was kind of, I put together a list of, um, six things, like six things on my list that, uh, that I think like mentally a mentally strong and successful people incorporate into their daily life. And I've had um, five of these things I've kind of had going on. The sixth one is, is nothing that I've been dealing with for, for quite some time, but, um, but I think it's a, a part of the, uh, the formula. So I'm going to list it anyway. So the first thing is, um, so six things mentally strong and successful people do. Number one is they move on, right? 
So they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves or, you know, they don't make themselves a victim and, and stay in the state of feeling sorry for themselves and I'm a victim or stay in a state of anger. They don't stay in the state of an anger. They process those emotions because they're, they're negative. They can be negative and they can be damaging. They can bring you real, they can bring you down and affect your life in a negative way. So you process them. And I, I ended up, um, you know, I think I ended up with both emotions, both those emotions in the last three weeks, you know, I ended up feeling, um, sorry for myself and, and I ended up be, being really super angry at, at someone. Um, and so I, I had to deal with that. I had to really deal with those emotions. So, uh, you know, and so I moved on. So I just, you know, I stayed angry for a couple of days. It wasn't working for me. And I knew I had to process it and work, work, work through it. And I needed to move on. And, and I, and I, and I did. And, and I think it's really important that, that we do that, that we don't stay in those negative states. Look, we're human. We're going to get pissed off. We're going to feel sorry for ourselves. Sometimes we're going to deal with negative emotions. Uh, we just can't let ourselves stay there for too long. You know, sometimes it feels good to stay there for a couple of days and wallow in it. I don't know why, but sometimes it just does. Like it feels really good to be fucking pissed off, right? or feel sorry for yourself and then it just starts feeling really bad and heavy um so move on process those 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 emotions and move on forgive those that you're angry at um second thing is uh you embrace change (laughs) i was just talking about that and i don't embrace change that well so i think that's going to be at the top of my list that I'm always going to have to be aware of and be conscious of and be really super proactive. Like that doesn't come easy for me. Right. So, well, uh, you know, to, to welcome change and to see, uh, change, even if it's a challenge to kind of reframe that and see it as an opportunity. Um, so embrace change. Number three. So I'm pretty good at this. Uh, they pursue happiness, right? They do. So, uh, you know, you don't stay uh, in a state of uh, anger too long. We, we don't waste energy on things that we control. Um, and we would rather be happy than be right. You know, my younger self, I would rather be right than happy. And I would like argue a point. Um, I come from a big Irish family. We, we would like to argue and, and debate loud family. And, and that used to be me. And, um, and now, you know, I'd much, much, much rather be happy than be right. I don't need to be right. Um, but I desperately want to be happy. So they pursue happiness. Number four, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in your life, um, you stay kind, you stay fair and, and you're unafraid to speak up. And what I mean by unafraid to speak up, if someone's um, crossing like your boundaries, like we all have personal boundaries we set like that, you know, we don't want people crossing. If someone's starting to cross your boundary on the way they speak to you or the way they approach you, the way they're treating you, you know, you have to speak up and, and redefine that, that boundary or that relationship can start getting out of hand. Um, and, 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 uh, and the other part of that is don't be afraid to speak up if you're feeling 
sad or you're feeling depressed or you're dealing with like something heavy, right? Because that, that's, that can be really hard to carry alone. You know, and when you're trying to hide it from everybody and you're carrying that alone, it gets really, really, really heavy. And, um, and, and sometimes it's embarrassing, like to, to tell people you're sad or you're depressed or you're dealing with some fucked up shit. But, um, hopefully everybody has people around them or at least one that, you know, they trust that they, they can talk about that stuff with, cause I think it's important. Um, number five, uh, you're willing to take calculated risks. Yes, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. It's number five. Um, if you don't, now I don't mean crazy risks. You don't mean crazy risks where, you know, you got a lot on the line. Like if you, if you misfired, I mean, you're losing like a money you can't afford to lose or, I mean, there's just too much on the line. But, but, but calculated risks. Um, if you're not taking calculated risks, then you're not going to move forward. Um, if you're building your own brand, building your own business, then um, then you know what I'm talking about. You've got to take calculated risks to move your brand, move your brand, uh, business forward. And and that, that applies to our, our personal life too, calculated risks. And then number six, um, mentally strong and successful people, they always, always, always celebrate other people's success. They don't resent other people's success and, and they certainly don't feel like it can fuck up their own. And I, and I, and I know, I know a lot of people out there, um, you know, feel that way. I mean, they get, maybe they don't want to feel that way. Um, but they start feeling insecure. They, they, you know, they, they feel like, you know, if someone is in your own city and they're really good, you know, at tattooing eyebrows, well, then that could, um, decrease your business. You know, people could start choosing her over you or that person over you. Um, you see people launching products or launching online classes. And, you know, when you're in that arena of products and classes, um, you can start feeling insecure and that that's going to, you know, fuck up your own success. And that's just a big myth. And I think the minute you realize that the minute you're able to really truly celebrate other people's success and and you really truly like deep in your bones you really understand you know you know that somebody else's success will never fuck up your own it 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 has nothing to do with you or your own success it can never touch it 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 just can't the minute you learn that um like there's this freedom is like there's just this this level of freedom that that comes with that and happiness that that comes with that because imagine all the insecurity fear angst that that just like falls to the wayside the minute you realize nobody else's success can ever like stunt your own or stop your own from growing or reaching like great heights once you get that, I mean, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? And so that's something that I was able to understand and and, and achieve and, and, and come to know and, and feel um, a, lo- a long time ago, 
you know and if i didn't i think i think i would be like super miserable miserable i i just think people that that fear other people's success and and resent others i mean just imagine I can't even imagine feeling that on the inside, right? Especially in an, yeah. especially in an industry like ours that is so like highly competitive. Um, yeah, I couldn't even imagine like carrying that around. That's a that's a big heavy burden to to carry. So, yeah. So th- those 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 are the six things that I put on my list for this week. Usually I give a quote, but I wanted to list that because those those are some things that uh, you know that I wanted to mention to our our listeners and viewers this week on the podcast all right so um look if you are audio streaming us then you're either on spotify buzz sprout i uh itunes or podcast attic we thank you for streaming us i think we hit what seven thousand i see you say seven thousand downloads or something like that um on audio streaming that's awesome if you are following us on uh youtube tatter effect youtube Thank you for that. Um, please like and follow our Tatter Effect YouTube page. I ask you guys every week, and <laughs> we're not really growing. So come on, <laughs> please. Like, yeah, just like head over to YouTube. It'll take you like five seconds. Find the Tatter Effect uh, podcast YouTube page and just give us a like and a follow. Um, we'd appreciate it, eat that. And so. Look, thank you for joining me, Willow, and Olivia today. Stay in the pursuit of happiness, everybody. We will see you next time.